we're live. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to have some fun tonight, all right? And I guess my point of this is I trust that this would, that wouldn't be an answer of the question that I even prompted. But I want to introduce you to the person of Holy Spirit. Okay, so if you're coming here and feeling like you're going to get an answer to that question that I just asked, I'm not going to answer it, but I'm going to introduce you to who Holy Spirit is. Okay, and by that, I believe that you'll get the answer, that he's speaking to you, not that I want to share with you. I have my own perceptions that I'm still dealing with, and it doesn't work sometimes. I want you to figure out what truth is, right? The theme of this year is has been and will be but what is truth, right? At least my thing, if you will. And you have to be a part of it because you have to listen to me. Okay, but what is truth? What is truth, okay? So we often come to a setting like this wanting to know an answer to a question, but that's not what's going to happen tonight. I'm going to introduce you to a person. Okay. Just got a phone call. Let me make sure it's still recording. Oh, it is. Love Apple. Thanks, Apple. So I am one of those people who has felt a literal weight of the presence of God. Not a metaphorical, not a figurative, a literal one that has rested on my shoulders to such an extent that it's been very, very heavy. All right? Maybe not as heavy for Benji, but it was heavy for me. Okay? I always have to have one. All right? But it was heavy, and it was to the point where I was either going to collapse or I had to sit down. Okay? It was that kind of heaviness. And I'm going to kind of cover this topic tonight. Okay? I've even heard stories, which I believe. Okay? I will reiterate that. I do believe. All right? Where we were... Well, I've heard a story of somebody under the presence of God, under the weight of the glory, where that chair actually gave out and bent because of the weight. Not because they were obese. Not like shallow how, but because of the weight of the glory that was resting on them. Literally, this stool of the, of the glory of the Lord, you know, wanted to make a point. And the wheel, and then the, and the legs could just curl right out and be crushed by the weight of the Lord. Okay? And I do believe it. Okay? I've seen pictures of the chair. Okay? So, and we also see scripture. And this weight of the presence happened in the same exact way in Scripture. I'll give you a bunch of addresses, but just bear with me for a little bit, okay? The first kind of weight is a way of walking, is a reverence weight, okay? We'll get into the heavy, heavy weight later, okay? But the weight of our reverence, okay? I want to talk about our reverence weight first, okay? So... We look at this story. I had you guys read it with me a couple weeks ago, and it's the story of Uzzah touching that Ark of the Covenant. Yes? Yeah. Remember this story? Yeah. Okay. If you need to, for the sake of your notes, so that all of your thoughts are being, you know, pretty unified, it's 1 Chronicles 13, verses 9 through 12. Okay? Because you're probably going to want to revisit your notes after this, because I'm going to throw a lot of information at you. Okay? What was it again? 1 Chronicles 13, verses 9 through 12. Okay, so this story is Uzzah touching the Ark of the Covenant. And it's because of a stumble that happened, and the weight of the Ark of the Covenant was tipped over. And Uzzah, you know, like a natural person would, tried to catch it. Okay? 
tried to just catch it, tried to, whoa, 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 we do not want this touching the ground kind of thing, right? In my natural, that sounds like a really, like, man, what a heroic thing to do. But then he got zapped and died, okay? He ended up dying trying to catch the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is what? Everybody know? Yeah. Where the presence of God was. Okay, even more so, what else? Ten Commandments, what else was in there? It was in the Holy of Holies, yes. What else keep was my in commandments. Huh? Shall keep my commandments. Yes, that was in there. Yes. It was the presence of God. What else was in the Ark of the Covenant? Aaron's staff. What did he say? What did he say? Aaron's staff. Yeah, Aaron's rod was in the Ark of the Covenant. There's one other thing that was in the Ark of the Covenant. It has nothing to do with the message, but it's good to know. It was a basin like this with manna in it. Okay? That's all. It was a gold basin with manna in it. Okay? So there was, what What did we list? Three? Yeah. Three things in the Ark of the Covenant. It was this gold encapsulated chest that held these three things. And the Ark of the Covenant was the holder of the current covenant. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Holder of the current covenant. Write that down. The Ark of the Covenant was the holder of the current covenant. How many of you know that there was many, many covenants that has happened that have happened over time? Yeah. There's Abraham's, there's Adam's, there's there's uh, Moses's, there's um, the Ark of the Covenant, there's the Law Covenant, there's Jesus's covenant, and then our current covenant. Okay. With, what? The Ark of the Covenant held the. The holder of the current covenant. Yes. The Ark of the Covenant is the holder of the current covenant. Okay? And it's where the glory of God or the Spirit of God rested, like Ashton said. It's usually kept behind, or it was, not usually. I don't know why I wrote that. I was trying to be exaggeration. Um, but it was kept behind a veil or a curtain. Okay? Reason being, if you went in there and you weren't high priest and you weren't right, you get knocked out. Okay? Even in transport, Okay, so there's a couple paintings of Uzzah transporting this um, Ark of the Covenant um, when he stretched his hand out to capture it. Even in those, it's veiled. It's covered by something. Yeah. Um, some of them don't show that, which they're just heretical. But it, because why would you transport the Ark of the Covenant in open yeah. air? It would literally kill every single person that it went by. That's how much weight it carried. So there's almost this side of me, and don't take this as gospel, but there's almost this side of if Uzzah touched the veil, he would have been okay. But there's, for whatever reason, when it tipped, the, the veil flapped up, and he touched the actual Ark of the Covenant, and that's why he died. There's something in me that thinks that that's the case, okay? Um, because we don't die, correct? We don't die. Yes, it's a different covenant, which we'll talk about in a second, okay? Making sense? Yeah. Because if they did, if they did transport it with it uncovered, all of the people who were in its presence would die. Okay. So this is direct imagery to us. Yeah, it was a holder of a covenant. Now, what are you? Of You're a holder of a new covenant. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. There's actually a veil. That still exists and it's called just your skin it's called your bones it's called your flesh it's called your body yes mm -hmm. 
It's still harbored somewhere in a holy place. Uh-oh. We didn't say, hmm, oh yeah, that was a good word. No, yeah, I know. Because this is where the reverence gets kind of turned up, and it will more and more. We're going to get to level 20 tonight, okay? Right now, just level 4, okay? You know, we're not trimming just to 11. We're going to 20, baby. Okay? So this is direct imagery of us. Did you know that we are now a veil of the Holy Spirit? We are. Did you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, says 1 Corinthians? Or we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, or a covering of the Holy Spirit. All these kinds of different words is what we are in terms to the Holy Ghost. Okay? okay. So remember, this message is about being, or is about drunk versus filled with the Spirit. Yes? Okay, don't forget, don't forget. You're going to be like, how does this all relate? It will, I promise. This is very one of my most well-thought-out messages ever, 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 ever. Okay, so check this out. When I am a person filled with the Holy Spirit, that means that the Ark of the Covenant has killed me. Why is that? Yeah, because... What the Ark of the Covenant does, what the Spirit of God does, is kill flesh. Not in a murderous, not in a punishment, not in a whatever. It actually is designed to kill flesh. Sure enough. Sure enough, baby. When I am a person filled with the Holy Ghost, it means that I that it means that the Ark of the Covenant has killed me. Okay? In other words, when I am filled with the Holy Ghost, that means it has killed who I was. And now I am under the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about that I don't really have a choice. He's the manager. When Uzzah touched that ark, his flesh died. Same with us. Okay, everybody caught up? Feeling good? Yeah. This is good so far? Yeah? We're turning it up. Here we go. To be touchers of the ark or touchers of the spirit, we are drunkards of the spirit. But wait, I thought it was good to be drunk in the spirit. No, 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 no. no. I'm giving you different language. Drunk in the spirit is not a good thing. Okay? Being drunk, period, is not a good thing. Okay? Not with wine, not with booze, whatever. Okay, we're not talking about explicitly that. We will for a little bit, but not explicitly that. Being drunk by anything else is wrong. Being drunk, period, is wrong. Because that leads me to being a toucher. Leads me to being, I'll come to church so I can get a touch. I'll go to my quiet time so I can get a touch. I'll go to coffee with so-and-so so I can get a touch. Are you hearing me? This is not proper design. Okay? This is being a drunkard. I know. Doesn't it suck that we can be a drunkard of the Spirit? Doesn't it suck? How many of you know that when you drink alcohol, you are not drunk the rest of your life? 
It's, it's the fact of the matter, right? If I drink a glass of wine when I was 21, that does not mean I'm still drunk today. It probably means that that wine is not even in my body anymore. Yeah. Frankly, even if it was yesterday, there's a chance that if I have one glass of wine, that it would still not be in my body today. Yeah. It's gone. Right? It's been removed from my body already. Not to get too explicit, but it's been expelled from my body already. Therefore, what does that leave me? You fill, you fill in the blank, right? Where does that lead me? It's not a good place, okay? So being drunk in the spirit, that means I'm just a toucher of that new wine that they talked about in Acts 2, which we'll get to. Okay? You can't drink alcohol once and be drunk the rest of your life. You have to continue to visit that bottle and visit that bottle and visit that bottle every single day of your life. Then you become a drunkard. And you're like, on paper, well, that sounds actually kind of good, right? Not in the liquor or booze sense, but in the word sense. It's like, okay, I'm visiting this, if I can say, this bottle, okay, this living water every single day, right? Well, okay, I'm going to tear that down a little bit. I know, I'm going to be very, very careful about how I go about it, too, okay? Because visiting this every single day is a good thing, but it can also be a religious thing. Yeah. It can also be a way for me to get something from God instead of for me to give something to God. Yeah. Okay? Get into that in a little. Okay? This is why liquor stores are called sometimes wine and spirits. Did you know you're drinking of other spirits? That's why people get a little funky. That's why people get a little loosey-goosey. It's because they're drinking of different spirits. Okay? Yes, I do drink alcohol. Okay? I do. I'm not tearing down alcohol. But I'm not drinking it to the extent where I'm going to get hammered. You're still going to know who I am if I were to have a glass of wine. You're still going to know who I am if I have a whiskey on the rocks. Okay? When you drink of something, you become a, drink, a drunkard of that. Okay? Jesus didn't say to the woman at the well, hey, just come visit me every single time you become thirsty. He said, I will give you so you thirst no more. He didn't say, hey, come to this altar so that you can get another drink of me. He did not say that. He said, follow me and you'll drink no more. You'll never thirst ever again. Do you get it? No. Okay? You with me? Okay. When you drink of something, you become a drunkard of that. And you get under the influence of different and other spirits. Okay? That's why Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You knew that this was happening. You knew that that verse was coming out. All right? I gave you what you wanted. All right? Ephesians 5.18. Write it down so you can remember. Okay? Don't get drunk. This isn't just talking about booze. This is talking about any cares of the world. Right? Because yeah. the devil doesn't just tempt everybody with booze. He tempts everybody with cares. Yeah. Yes? He tempts with cares, not booze. He can't tempt with booze because that could turn into a care. But it's the cares of the world that he 
attacks. Our command is not to be drunk in the Spirit, but to be filled with the Spirit. Because we will end up like Uzzah if we're drunkards. Okay? And sorry, Uzzah. At the end of the day, I don't know if Uzzah's in heaven or hell. It's a really weird thing, right? Because it was, in one sense, very heroic what he did, but also, in the same sense, very wrong what he did. That's why the Lord's anger was turned towards him. I don't know where he is. Okay? So, it's not our command to be visitors or touchers of the Spirit because we will end up like Uzzah. We are to be filled. 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 Okay? In Acts 2, you see that Pentecost is taking place. Yes? In Acts 2. You should have that one written on your heart. Okay? And the surrounding people make a statement, seeing them and watching them, that they are filled with, with wine. Right? And Peter says, these people are not drunk. Peter actually acknowledges what they're seeing, though. What do you think he was seeing? <laughs> to jump to the conclusion of, they must be drunk, man. That's some new wine. That's some fresh stuff. What have, must have been going on? Right? Because it's natural for a human being to say, well, that looks familiar. I'm going to equate it with something. Right? You do this every single day of your life. Right? Yeah. That person said that, but I remember somebody else saying that, you know, whatever it might be. We always equate something to what's familiar to us. And in a time of drunkenness and immorality, that was familiar. Yeah. Until it wasn't. <laughs> because it was from the Lord, right? Which we know. Okay, that's good news. Yes? You know that? Yeah? Good. Okay. Good, good. Okay. Um, Peter understands that it's interesting behavior sometimes. Okay? Yes, it is. I can't comprehend some things. Okay? I can't comprehend some things that even the Lord has done on my life. I can't com uh, yet comprehend what the Lord has sometimes done in Madison's life. Why? Because it's not familiar. Yeah. It's otherworldly. It's from a different realm. Right? And no, I'm not talking about portals tonight, okay? <laughs> Didn't go there. <laughs> Paul understands. Well, some people do. All right. Sorry, Peter. Peter understands that it's interesting behavior, but remembers the prophet long before him from Joel. Right? Acts 2, Joel 2. Okay? Just remember this. Boom, boom. Okay? Great. We have to under what we have to understand is we are to be holy and sanctified. What sanctified mean? The act of becoming holy. It's my definition. Simply. Okay? And it will look interesting to the outside world. What does this mean? Do we recoil? Do we not seek this? No, heck no. Heck no, you know me too well. I would never preach that. Okay? We see this progression take place with the with the people, the surrounding people in Acts 2. They were what? Amazed. Then they were astonished. And then it continues in verse 12. They were amazed. They were perplexed. And then verse 13, it makes a big gold U-turn and it turns into mockery. 
Okay, you can see all of those words right there in between Acts 7 and 13, all right? And it's a, it's a, it's a mockery and an accusatory action that takes place, yes? Yeah. Okay, it's this weird progression that we go through. It's like, whoa, that's different. That's okay, that's actually kind of cool. Wow, what an experience that they're having with the Lord. But wait, where's that in the Bible? Right? Yeah. I know. I get it all the time. I've been dealing with this for about 11 years now in my ministry. Of where's that in the Bible? Well, I could show you, but you won't care. Right? Okay. Does this make sense so far? You with me? Yeah. Turn to 1 Samuel. This is another um, another spot in the... What's the one of my trying to say? This is another spot in the scripture where someone looks like they're drunk. Okay? You guys feeling good? Yeah. Am I losing anybody? Any questions so far? We fine? So first Samuel. First Samuel. Chapter one. First Samuel chapter one. It is after Ruth. For four seconds here. It's going to be verses 12 through 15 in chapter 1. Okay? This is an interesting moment. This is, um, this is cool. All right? And as I said before, as humans, we always compare and try to equate something to another that is familiar to us. Okay? So let me read this. And this is going to be lovely. Okay? You everybody there? Yeah. First Samuel. This is my son's middle name. And this is what his mother also did in hopes of my son and hopes of her son named Samuel. This is what happened to us. This is part of our story. Okay? So, it's one of those, it's Hannah's silent prayers you might have heard before. Okay? Cool. You guys okay? Yeah. Having fun here? Oh, yeah. All right, good. All right, so verse 12, it says, As she continued praying, actually, let's do verse 9. I'm going to do verse 9. Cool. Yeah. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She, Hannah, was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, I will give to you your sorry but give give to your servant a son then i will give him to the lord of the days of his life of all the days of his life Ooh, sorry and no razor shall ever touch his head okay verse 12 and she continued praying before the lord eli observed her mouth and hannah was speaking in her what heart, heart. and only her lips moved and her voice was not heard okay silent prayer yes all right. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. And Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have not drunk neither wine or strong drink, but I have been, check it, pouring out my soul before the Lord. There's something that takes place when an individual pours out their soul, pours out their spirit before the Lord. 
was Hannah filled with the Holy Ghost? <gasps> what are we going to say? It's the Old Testament. Did that happen? Oh my gosh. Yes, she was. How can you pour out a spirit if you got no spirit to overpour? Right? Especially when it's in relation to the Lord. There's something that takes place in an individual when they pour out their spirit. Right? You can give, some people call it, oh, they, they gave it their heart out there. Yeah, cool. Great. Usually sporting events. Yippee Kaye. Right? No. There's something that takes place when you pour out your spirit to something. Yes? No. Okay. We have to understand a manifestation of the Holy Spirit is from another realm. From another realm. Yes? Yeah. So in an age of drunkenness and immorality, when someone is off balance or looks different than us, something is wrong with them. We label them as something. We put a hello, my name is, fill in the blank on their chest. Yes? Yeah. So what we see in Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel in Acts 2 is the watching of an encounter with God. Yes? We get to have like this sideline view of what is taking place when somebody has an encounter with God. Yes? Yeah. Are you seeing this with me? <laughs> Sometimes it isn't pretty. When's the last time you had an encounter with the Lord and he just gave you snot bubbles and you were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm in public right now. <laughs> or you thought of that after the fact because you were way too focused on the Lord in the fact, right? You get it? Yeah. Right? It's, sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes you are laying on the ground. Sometimes you are screaming at the top of your lungs. Sometimes you are having an encounter that does not make sense to even you or the people around you. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. But the problem is, is we wait for an outside reflection of what it's supposed to look like in our eyes. How many of you know when an encounter with the Lord takes place, it's not usually external? Yeah. Revival doesn't happen on the external of you. It happens inside. Yes? Yeah. Okay. But you're probably thinking, well, Lex, the same thing happens with drunkenness. And I say, yeah, you're right. That's why the people were confused. That's why Acts 2 was confusing. That's why Samuel 1 and Hannah was confusing. Because it looks like drunkenness. But what did Jesus say? Well, Matthew 7, verse 15 through 20 says, you'll know them by their fruit. Right? So I can't judge an encounter that Jaden might have tonight and say, man, that was the Lord. I can't. It's usually a long-lasting thing. It's usually something that I have to look at maybe next week or maybe even next year when I can actually see the fruit of what came from that. And so often, man, we are so accusatory and so mocking and so fast to say, oh my gosh, that is not the Lord. Right? But you don't know any of those people on the TV. You don't know any of those people on YouTube. And frankly... They didn't know Hannah. They didn't know the 120 or whatever was at Pentecost. They barely knew them. Right? Yeah. Are you hearing me tonight? Yeah. This is huge. Okay? 
This is this is huge because being filled is a difference of fruit. Being drunk is a difference of fruit. Being drunk is a scary fruit. Being filled is a good fruit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Both produce a fruit. One is healthy to a soul and one isn't. Yes? Yeah. Think of the first time you heard somebody speak in tongues. You're like, oh my gosh, what is that? <laughs> right? First time I heard somebody speak in tongues was when it was happening to me. And I was like, oh gosh, I got a demon or something. Yeah. I was messed up. I was younger than you guys. But when you hear somebody speaking in tongues, a language that doesn't sound like any other, you say, oh gosh, are they just slurring their speech? Are they drunk? Are they possessed? Do they have something wrong with them? It's foreign to someone who doesn't know. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that we crucify them. It just means that they're diverse and they haven't experienced yet. And they don't know, right? Some of you guys are probably uncomfortable with tongues in the room. And that's okay. I am too, and I speak in them. I'm very uncomfortable with them because I've seen them very, very misused. Are you with me? Yes. Does this make sense? Okay, so we've established a couple things so far, right? Yeah. All right, now we kind of are gonna flip pages here. Or what's the, tur no, turn the other leaf. We're gonna change, yep. Okay, frick, man. At the beginning of this message, I talked about weight. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. I, I know. I left you hanging. Here we are. We're back. Okay? Talked about weight, and I want to tie a bow on it. Okay? And this is kind of where we're going to wrap up. And you're just like, yeah, this has been a short message. And you're right, because I'm not done yet. Okay? So... I have felt a weight of the Lord. I have. I feel it right now. And I'll feel it again. I feel the weight of the Lord often. Especially in this time in my life right now. I feel it so heavily. Or sometimes I can't even speak. It's so heavy. It's crushing my chest sometimes. Because he's doing some work in me that I'm a little uncomfortable with. <laughs> but it's good. And I know it by its fruit. I want to highlight what this weight means and bear with me, okay? Yes? I'm going to get a little bit heavy tonight, okay? And not in like, not like that way, but in like, we're going to go places that we haven't went before, okay? There's a Hebrew word called kavad. Anybody heard it before? Just now. Great. It's spelled K-A-B-O-D. Write it down. K-A-B-O-D. Or simply K-B-D. Okay? That's how it's spelled in Hebrew. It's K-B-D. Because that's how they write. I don't get it. No it's vowels. also like, yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. Yahweh is spelled with no vowels, but it's weird. All right. Write this down. So kabod, yes, you got that? All right, now write this down. The heart is the seat of the mind. Seat, not seed, seat. 
The heart, gosh, I'm like having a heart attack. The heart is the seat of the mind. Number two, the kidneys are the seat of your emotions. <coughs> It'll all make sense, I promise. Can you say that one again? The kidneys, <laughs> I know you guys are like, he warned me, but I'm still uncertain. The kidneys are the seat of my emotions or of the emotions. And the one we're going to be dwelling on the most is this one. Three, the liver is the seat for glory and honor. We understand the heart and the mind. I'll talk about the kidney and the emotions maybe another time. But liver and glory and honor is what we're going to be dwelling on tonight. Cool. Okay? I'm only going to focus on the liver for the sake of time. Okay? Cool. First thing we have to understand is the, the anatomy of our body points exactly to Scripture. Every ounce of it. Cool. Yeah. And it's going to get highlighted in a whole nother light tonight. You're going to be like, what in the world? Yeah, this is, you're just getting that. Yeah, all right. <sighs> Do not check out or else you're going to get lost. Do not let your mind race or else you're going to get lost. Okay, good. The word kavad in Hebrew is used all through scripture, which is interesting because it means liver. All through scripture. Hmm? Anybody want to take a guess of where it's been used? Just a random guess. Have fun with me. I know what you're going to do, so I know where to start. Okay, so. What? Lamentations are Yeah, it actually is. Really? Yeah, we're going to be talking about lamentations. Um, great job. That's cool. Um, but it's talked about a lot in Psalms. It's talked a lot about in Proverbs. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all through scripture, there's this word, liver. It's also spelt the same way, kavad, as glory. And, or sorry, yeah, glory. And also weighty and heavy. It'll all make sense in a little bit, okay? Just write it down. Bear with me, I'm giving you some carrots, okay? So this word kavod means your literal liver, wherever it is, it's somewhere up in here in my rib cage. I don't know which side though. Opposite of heart? Gotta be opposite of heart. Alright, well again, do not check out just because you don't know what it means, okay? So this word kavod means liver, weighty, heavy, and the word glory are all wrapped up in this one word in Hebrew. Okay? Are you with me? Yeah. Both are spelled the same exact way, and they mean the exact same thing. Wait, what, Lex? Yeah, they do. They mean the exact same thing. Again, do not let your mind race. Okay? Let me finish, and then you can, you can go down those paths. Kavod means liver and weighty and heavy. If you know the liver at all, what is it? It's a filter. It's a filter. Good. What else? Did you know it's the heaviest organ in your body? It's the heaviest organ in your body. You know, your liver actually weighs close to four pounds. 
Isn't that weird? Yeah. Heaviest, and it's the largest internal organ. Yeah, your skin. Okay, shut up. But internal. Internal. I said internal. <laughs> and that's very, very cool because it's an internal thing that takes place of what this word actually means. Okay, it's not an external thing. All right, with me? Okay. So, on the surface, it makes sense why it's the same word. Yes? Yeah. Well, it's heavy. It's weighty. So, it deliver. Okay? But if you look at the concordance, you'll find that the word... Oh, I already jumped that. Oh, I can say this. If you look at the concordance, you'll find the word liver is used with an exception of a time or two, and it's translated to heart, which is weird. But all, all, uh, all the other times refer to the liver um, of an animal sacrifice. But we're going to look at the meaning behind the physical, and then we'll look at the others later, okay? So Lamentations chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read it to you just because I'm going to save us some time because <laughs> it's kind of a tricky one to find because it's only five chapters and it's really narrow but for all it's worth it's right after jeremiah and it's written by jeremiah okay kind of cool what was, huh? what was that Two eleven. okay and this verse reads my eyes fail because of tears my spirit is greatly troubled my heart is poured out on the earth Okay, I'll just read part A, okay? Part B, it doesn't really relate. So this, my heart, it's actually my liver. It's that word kavad. Okay? Proverbs 7.23, it also reads, until an arrow pierces through his liver, as a human hurries, uh, sorry, as a bird hurries, human, as a bird hurries to the snare, so he does not know what it will cost him. Okay? That was Proverbs 7.23. Write it down. Write them down. Okay? Again, just you're going to want to revisit this. And then Ezekiel 21.21. Easy one to remember. It says, For the king of Babylon stands at the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways, to use divination. He shakes the arrows. He consults the household idols. And he looks at the liver. I'm going to explain this one in depth, okay? What the heck is happening here? This is a weird little scenario here. This sounds like some Eastern culture ritual. And you're exactly right, baby. It is, and it's really interesting, okay? So let's talk. Let's take a brief break, all right? Brief commercial break for your history tonight, all right? So if you <laughs> to understand the verses above, we have to understand Eastern culture and Eastern customs. There was a practice of medicine. Hang on to this. Stay with me. There was a practice of medicine that used to seek healing from humans. And what they did, this was highly sought after and was usually the last ditch effort to be made well. Okay? After all of the holistic approaches and all the essential oils that you want to drip on somebody and all the herbs that you can eat, I'm not discounting them. Just, it was what they did, okay? That's where holistic approaches of medicine come from. It's from the East, okay? We just pump people full of drugs, all right? Not me, I'm indestructible, all right? Um, so, essentially, what they would do 
for this custom and this ritual, and I, I don't want to call it a ritual, in their culture, is they would sacrifice an animal, usually a goat, and then the doctor, better known as the buru, B-U-R-U, okay, you don't need to write this down, it's just fun facts that you'll probably hang on to, all right? The buru would examine the liver. They would cut the animal, then they would pull the liver out and look at the liver, okay? They would look for signs and messages within the liver, and they believed um, in this, in this, upon this discovery that they would discover a cure for the human's illness. I'm like, what? What the heck? What do you mean, Lex? Yeah. So they would cut the animal? They would kill the animal. Then they would perform a surgery, remove the liver, and then they would cut the liver open. Okay, and that would save the human? No, no. Listen. Due to the condition of the liver, the vein paths, the color, the size, the shape of it, they would look at these things as indicators for treatment that they would adjust to the human. Okay? And then they would assign, well, you need this mixture instead of that mixture. Okay? That's what they would do. They would slice the liver in half and look at it as it were a map to a deliverance and to a healing of the human that they were ministering to, if, you, if I can use those words. <clears throat> does this make sense? No, it does not make sense. You're a liar. It does not make sense at all, right? It's kind of the approach of even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, okay? It's true, they do. They do, all right? So it's interesting. It's still up in the air if it works or not, but this is what he's talking about. All right. When he's talking in Ezekiel, he's talking about different forms of divination, which is with his practice, um, and and sorcery of the Babylon's practice. They would shake arrows. They would consult the household household idol, idols. Right. That was called a teraphim. It was a shrunken human head. Oh. And then they would examine the 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 trails on the liver. And this is a common way of going about things in this time. And this is what Ezekiel's talking about, verse 21, or chapter 21, 21. All right, for the king of Babylon stands, right? This was a Babylonian practice. At the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways, to use divination, yes? Yep. He shakes the arrows, asks the idols what they think, and then he looks at the liver. See the mysticism that's taking place, the demonic activity that's taking place in this practice that Ezekiel's calling forth. All right? So let's get back to the word study. Are you guys still with me? I told you it was a brief history break, okay? Now we're back. All right? We're back. We're live. All right? So we already know that kavad means liver, and we know that it also means to be heavy. But there's an also a, a third meaning, which is glory. What in the world? How do these all connect? How does this all make sense? Well, here's a couple of scriptures. Ready? Ready? Proverbs 25, verse 2. It says, It is the kavad, the glory, 
of Elohim, God, to conceal a matter. But the glory, the kavod, of kings is to search out a matter. Okay? Exodus 16, 7 is another one. In the morning, you will see the kavod, the glory, of Yahweh. For he hears your grumblings against Yahweh. And what are we that you grumble against us? The word for glory in both cases, as well as 200 others all through Scripture, is kavod. So how is glory related to the liver and related to something being heavy? Well, we already know the heavy part. That's the easy part, right? But how is this related to glory? Well, first off, again, we have to understand it's the heaviest. And then second, we know that the glory of Elohim has weight. With me? Yeah. We can see in Ezekiel, in his vision, he saw the divine presence, or kavad, when it was being drawn away from the temple. Check it out. That's Ezekiel 10.4. The glory, the kavod of Yahweh, mounted up from the cherub and stood over the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of its brightness, of its glory. Yes? Yeah. Then he continues making note of watching the glory of God move from the temple in verses 18 and 19 of the same chapter. The glory, the kavod of Yahweh, went forth from over the threshold of the house and stood over the cherub. The cherub is angels, yes? Yeah. The cherub lifted up their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight, and they went forth and the wheels beside them. And they stood at the door of the east gate of the house of Yahweh. And the glory of Elohim of Israel was over and above. Okay? With me? Yeah. Where was that? Ezekiel 10. Ezekiel describes that the presence of Yahweh as glory, a.k.a. that which has weight, that which has substance. And he watched as it withdrew from the temple out the door. That must have been a tough vision to see, huh? Isn't the temple designed for that? Well, hmm. It's too bad, right? With me? Yeah. So to level set, the Hebrew word for liver is derived from the same word of heavy, kavad. Yes? Yeah. The liver is the heaviest organ in the body. Yes? The Hebrew word for glory comes and is the, uh, comes from and is from the word um, uh, meaning heavy, kavod, and the glory of Yahweh was um, his presence. The glory of Yahweh was his presence, and could be experienced both seen in a vision from Eze from Ezekiel and felt as an encounter. Yes. Yeah. Does this make sense? Yeah. You guys, okay, just bear with me. We're almost there. Now we understand that glory is heavy. So how does that connect to my anatomy? This is where it kind of gets fun for me, all right? Cool. What is the relation between glory and the liver? Here it is. So in Lamentations, watching the impounding doom and destruction of Israel and the temple, we see the glory of Israel being poured out. Okay. That once honorable city named Jerusalem has been laid to waste. That's why in verse 11 in Lamentations 2, it says, 
my liver is poured out on the earth. Okay, he's speaking not of his heart, not his heart slash mind. He's not speaking of his kidneys slash emotions. He's, but his honor, his glory, his liver. It'll all make sense in the end, I promise you. So in, is that, okay. so in Proverbs 7, we're warned about the adulteress, right? Proverbs 7 is the uh, sexual sin adultery spirit, yes? Or the uh, scripture, not spirit, okay? We are warned about this adulteress and the many ways she, this adultery, seeks to seduce and draw away the heart of the unsuspecting person, male or female, okay? Okay? All right. We always think of a prostitute being the, just a female, and it's actually a lie. That's not true. It's actually both. Just like you can prostitute yourself both ways, and you can be an adulteress both ways. Okay. We'll get into that in a second. The context from verse 5 on through the end of the chapter shows how adultery works, how she waits until her husband leaves. I'm just going to use... Don't crucify me. How he or she waits until her spouse leaves, their spouse leaves, I'm not good with pronouns, then sits outside waiting to seduce the person who passes by. Verse 22 is where it says this. Ready? He followed her immediately. As an ox goes to the slaughter, as a fool stepping into a noose. This is talking about sex. I'm going to take it up a notch in a second. Following the adulteress or the adultery leads to death. Now, this can in many cases mean a physical death. We won't get into that one. But more importantly, it implies a spiritual death in verse 23 until the arrow strikes through his liver. Until the arrow strikes through his liver, it says. As a bird hurries to the snare and doesn't know that it will cost him his life. An arrow will strike through his liver is a literal and physical and a metaphorical and a spiritual death. Okay? That's Proverbs 7. That's Proverbs 7, yep. I believe the deeper lust, uh, the, the deeper lesson here is that it's going into a lustful attraction of adulteress leads to a spiritual death. It leads to the destruction of a person's honor and it turns them from glory. But I want to take it up a notch. I want to take it up a notch. I just don't want to talk about sex tonight. I did that way too much in guys' group. Okay? I know. We talked about sex. It was not fun. Yeah, it's been a lot. Okay. But I want to take this up a notch. Proverbs 7 can be taken just as adultery of sex. Sure. But I think it's deeper than that. I think it's an adulterous spirit. Okay? And yes, it will all relate in the end to the drunk versus filled, I promise you. Okay? It's an adulterous spirit. And what I mean is when adult, I guess, well, adultery's root is a selfish desire. Yes? Yeah. Okay? Follow me. Selfish desire is the root of me in charge. Yes? Last one, me in charge is a counterfeit glory. Yeah. Right? Counterfeit glory. Did you know that there's counterfeit glory? 
Nobody knew that. Think of it this way. I have a... For sake of, for sake of example, just bear with me. I have a tank in me. Okay? And it's called my glory tank. Okay? Every person has a glory tank. Wherever it goes is up to you. I have a glory tank that I get to pour out all day long. Psalmist, and I think Proverbs speaks of a wick. I have a wick in me, and it's all depending on what I light it unto. I can lift an incense unto the Lord, or I can, uh, I can lift an incense to Jaden. Right? Or Benji, or, you know. You get it? My heart is a wick. He is supposed to be the flame. Yeah. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Okay? So, in this adulterous spirit, what I'm talking about is I have a glory tank, and I have a, a purposing in my life every single day to pour that out. Every single, every single day, you pour out your glory tank to its emptiness. And then you fill it with something, some level of glory, whatever it is, okay? Whether it's the Lord, whether it's your finances, whatever it is. You fill this glory tank with something and, and maybe even someone, right? You notice how I'm not saying multiple tanks, right? It's one. It's a singular tank. It's not just, well, I'll, I'll pour in a little jade in, and when, I, oh, when the candle burns that low, then I'll glorify him. Or I'll just pour in a little bit Blake, and when, you know, I'll go through my progressions. And yeah, the, the bottom of the candle is the Lord. But who gets to the bottom of a candle? My wife weird she burns through the whole entire candle i don't get it but do you get my point right this can't be just like different layers of glory this is one unto it uh, unto one are you hearing me yeah are you getting this my glory tank is filled with one thing it's either me it's others uh, maybe maybe even my work maybe somebody else or the lord yeah okay cool so this adulterous spirit Adultery is the root of selfish desire. Selfish desire is the root of me being in charge. Me being in charge is counterfeit glory. My glory tank can be for me. So, in Eastern culture, they looked at the liver's health. How many of you know that if your liver is sick, so are you? Yeah. Okay? If you don't know, now you do. All right? If you got a sick liver, so are you. And you need something. You need dialysis, which we'll talk about in a second. Okay, you need dialysis so that you can live for another day or another week or whatever it is. And you visit the. I worked with a guy who had uh, liver failure and he needed dialysis. I think it's dialysis, right? It's dialysis. Sure. Is that kidney? There's something. There's some kind of thing that you. I I thought it was dialysis, but sorry, you can tell that I'm a preacher, not a physician. I didn't even know that was the right word. All right? If your liver is sick, so are you. Okay? Period. Well, you're right. This dialysis. Is it really? Heck yeah. Thanks, man. This is great. Freaking got my... I guess what I was thinking of was like alcohol, you know? 
filters. Yeah, yeah. Don't get there yet. Okay. So, your if your liver is sick, so are you. Our liver and our body is our literal filter. Okay. From a physical perspective, yes. But spiritually, our livers, our livers' health shows where our glory and our honor is going. Okay. How many of you know that when you have a drunkard spirit or an adulterous spirit, you are glorifying something other than the Lord? This is exactly why scripture speaks of being sober-minded and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because <clears throat> so when I'm a drunkard, yeah, maybe my glory tank for a day. And you come to a place called the home and you get your dialysis. You get a fix. So you can live for the week. And then you come back and you're like, okay, I need my hit. I need it again so I can live for another week. Did you know that's a drunkenness? In Titus chapter 1, um, it says, be hospital hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, and self-control. You see, what it means when a person is sober-minded, you're not drunk or intoxicated. It means you're not normal, but there is, but there is also being sober-minded. Yes? Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Sometimes the enemy intoxicates our mind with our problems and this is a form of drunkenness intoxicates our mind with problems and it becomes inflated and inflated and inflated and we become exaggerated and exaggerated and we start exaggerating the facts and we begin to spiral and we say my life sucks oops actually you probably just had a bad day does that mean your life sucks? Hmm. Not at all. All right. Well, I'll answer my own question. All right. You don't have a bad life. You just had a bad day. The devil wants your mind to be intoxicated. Why? Because the heart is the seat of the mind. He wants that so, so, so desperately. Yes? The devil wants your mind to be intoxicated, meaning that you are exaggerating and saying things are that are not true and you are not sober. We need to sober up our minds. How? Well, God's word makes us sober in our mind. We can think clearly and we are not frantic in how to approach life. Most of you don't drink of other spirits and that's good. Or don't drink, period, and that's good. But what does your mind drink of, and how is the devil intoxicating your mind? How? You see, when I get sick, my whole body gets sick. My heart has to work faster. My lungs have to work harder. Sometimes they're even filled with stuff that they shouldn't be filled with, and they have to do things that they're not supposed to be doing because they're trying to compensate for the sickness yes mm -hmm. so when I get sick my whole body is affected how am I allowing my glory to get intoxicated 
unto something else? Well, because I'm a drunkard. Because I drink of the Spirit, I don't get filled with the Spirit. Am I drinking of something that is allowing my liver to get sick? Am I viewing church as a dialysis? Or am I saying, Holy Spirit, live in me and make right my liver. Make right my glory. Make me filled with you where there is nothing else. Uh, yeah. Which part? Sorry. I don't know. Before? <laughs> Am I saying, Holy Spirit, live in me and make right my liver? Make right my glory? Make me filled with you where there is no room for anything else. Am I saying that? Is that my prayer? Isn't it crazy how we don't think we deserve that? We don't think that we deserve the Holy Spirit's indwellment. We only deserve what he longs to give. Isn't that cool? We only deserve what he longs to give us. The disciples were filled with the Spirit long before Pentecost happened. Did you know that? Jesus breathed on them and they got filled. What happened to Pentecost? Why is it such a big deal? Oh, we'll talk about that maybe later. Right? Mm. He longs to dwell in us. He longs to fill us. He longs to have that glory tank and to upgrade it and to upgrade it and upgrade it so that you are only glorifying him. And that it even, you know, like when you try to fill up your car with diesel and the thing doesn't even fit in the car. He wants that. But for you, he wants the only, the right spout to fit, which is his glory, to be filled in you. So that you can expel it from you. So that you can burn it unto him. So that your wick is burning properly. And the incense is warm and proper. Did you know that when you burn your wick and it's not unto the Lord, he still smells it? Doesn't that suck? Do we get the reference behind that? So we are supposed to be sober. Not just drinking. We've tainted that word so much. I don't care what you do drinking. Just don't lose it. Okay? But there's this concept of the liver, how our liver actually filters out everything. But are we throwing so much at our liver that it can't filter anything out anymore? Are we throwing our anxieties, our worries, our fears, our, our drunkenness, our, our adulterous spirit, our work life, our, our family life, our, our this, our that, and our liver is just overwhelmed and, I, and he's yelling at us saying, I can't find any of the Lord's glory in this. Instead, what are we throwing at our liver and saying, this is right, you barely even need to filter this? Isn't that amazing that we have the capacity to do that? We do. Isn't that cool? So many of us have been just drunkards of the Spirit. 
And we're just like frustrated. It's like, man, I sinned again. Yeah, because you're drunk. You're drunk. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm perfect, okay? I'm working on it, but I'm not. But there's a side of me that is still a drunkard some days. Think of a day where you didn't sin. I know you did it. One day where you didn't sin. Guess what you did that day? You were filled with the Spirit. You understood what it meant to be filled with the Spirit. You're like, wait, I have the capacity? Yeah, you do. You do. Right? And then we have to learn how to replicate that. Over and over and over again. Or else I'm a drunkard. We all have a moment of like, okay, I didn't leave my bedroom and I just spent time with the Lord all day. Great. Good. Okay. Maybe you haven't had that. All right. What's a time where you just literally didn't think illy of somebody, that you didn't downgrade somebody, that you didn't submit to something, that you just submitted to the Lord? We all have those moments. Whether it was at a winter camp, a summer camp, whatever it was, you're like, man, I did not sin today. I nailed it. Right? No, nobody's resonating with this. Man, like, okay, this is the new, this is your new goal. I'm going to achieve one day without sinning. Because then you're going to understand, I can be filled. I filled myself. I am filled with the Spirit. Thank God for my liver. Right? Thank God that it filters out all the crap. I was talking to Tommy about this earlier, and he was like, what happens to a water filter when it's way too dirty? Well, it gets stopped up. Oh, frick. <laughs> and I said, well, I guess that's a way of thinking about it. But the, also, the other way of thinking about it is when you're throwing that much stuff at it, there's something else going on. And your liver is unto something else, not unto the Lord. Right. Do you get that? Yeah. Did you hear that? I can transform my liver into the likeness of glorifying myself. And then it filters through that funnel. So then my glory tank is unto me. And I expel it unto me throughout my entire day. Are you hearing me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's heavy. It's very, very heavy. It's a heavy way to walk. Because you weigh everything. Right? You do. You're like, man, you're so inefficient. If you're just weighing every single day. No, actually, I'm very efficient. Because I'm executing shots way better. I'm pulling the trigger way better. I'm understanding my purposes way better. Instead of... Well, what am I thinking? What's the devil thinking? What is Jesus thinking? What's my family thinking? What's my friends think? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Take a deep breath. Slow down. <laughs> Align your mind to what he's actually speaking. And then execute. Does this make sense? Yeah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it speaks of an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's a New Testament. 
really good. In Luke 2, Mary pondered, also weighed the Messiah coming and refined her glory. Psalm 26, I love your house, O Lord, for it's where your glory dwells. That's talking to me. That's my temple. Not just this church building. Right? Exodus 40, glory filled the tabernacle. Proverbs 11, false balance is an abomination, but a just weight is his delight. Second Chronicles 5. The glory filled the house of God to such an extent that there was nobody standing after the meeting. Exodus 17, 12. Moses needed sticks to hold his hand up because of the weight the glory that was on his life. Do you see how to walk? Do you understand what it looks like? Did you understand that the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, could fill a place that would push everybody else out? That's in the Bible. The glory filled the temple to such an extent where nobody, there was no space for anybody else. Whoa. That sounds pretty heavy. Sounds pretty thick. Sounds pretty weighty. Sounds pretty full. It's a direct prophetic of what our bodies are supposed to look like. Did you not know that your body is a temple under the Holy Spirit? And we are to be filled. And filled. And filled. So that we're not drunkards just touching it, but that we're carrying well. Bring it on back. Like I did my best. Okay. Pray this with me. Where are you? Where are you? Or I'll just pray it over you. It's a little long to pray together. Hold your hands out in a posture of receiving. If you so please. Father, I ask that you would cause infectious vision over our lives. The willingness to get back to you in the simplicity of deep affection, the simplicity of crying out in the night for you, the simple ways of being laid out in front of us because we just want you to be glorified. Take me back to the simplicity of you, Lord. I pray for mighty visitations of you, not only for us, but all those that we pray for every single day. 
I pray that we, that as I draw near to you, that you would draw near to me and that you would invite me into greater levels of influence of my friends, my family, my school, my workplace, and my city. We just want you to be magnified, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would illuminate everything that you want to illuminate tonight. There would be mighty visitations of you. Thank you, King. We love you. We want more of you. We need more of you. The Holy Spirit, would you fill us tonight? Would we not just be drunkards anymore, but would you fill us tonight? Holy Spirit, we submit to your movings tonight, to your leadings tonight, to your ministry tonight. Pray for a deeper reverence of how we walk. Lord, I pray for sober minds across the room. Pray for refined livers across the room. The liver is the or only organ in our body that can be cut in half and it doesn't lose its full function. It actually learns how to work at 100% still. Not in a regeneration, it doesn't grow again. But it can learn. It can learn how to be more effective with less. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. We honor you, we love you, and we just want to magnify you. In Jesus' name, amen.